Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Pastor Kamisha, and you're listening to A Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the Word, we're going to open up in prayer. Lord, we thank you. We bless you, and we just praise your holy and wonderful name, God. We exalt you in our eyesight. We exalt you in all the earth, Jesus. And we say that you have the name that has been given above every name. And at your name, Lord Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that you are Lord. And we say you are Lord in heaven, on the earth, and beneath the earth. You are Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you into our our time today and our studying of your word today. And we ask you to guide us into all truth and to minister to us what you would have for us to know today so that way we may apply your word to our lives daily. And your word is good for us daily, God. For every moment of every day, you are good and you're guiding us. We thank you for hearing our prayers and we know that if you hear us, we have the petitions that we've asked of you. And we bless you. We thank you for your yes to all your promises, and we follow up and we declare, amen, let it be so, God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, good morning. Welcome, everybody. We are continuing our study in Romans, and we are on chapter 8. And this morning, we're going to cover verses 12 through 17. So could I get a volunteer to read that section of scripture, please? I will. All right, Layla. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body, you live. Um, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, as is our custom, the floor is open for each of you to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you, and of course, to ask any questions that you have. All right. Okay. So who'd like to begin? I do. Well, please do. So I enjoyed how um, Paul here was describing the sonship and the things that we have as being joint heirs with Christ. And I also enjoyed that almost underlying message of you can't just halfway do it. Like um, you want the benefits and the blessings, but you're unwilling to do the work. And and you see him address that. He said, if indeed we suffer with him as in labor and put in the effort, then we'll be glorified together. Not let Jesus carry it all. And, and you just show up for the benefit at the end. It's almost, um, 
like how sometimes boys we would do chores together and two of us are working and we get the job done and then the third one comes when it's time to watch a movie or eat dessert and then the other two are like um you weren't here to you didn't partake in any of the work why should you partake in it in the reward so it just struck me as interesting that paul had uh slipped it in there and i don't mean like in a deceptive way but just has that thought when you look at it closely at first glance you don't think about it so much but then afterwards you see that and it's just kind of interesting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyone else Layla, i was just going to ask you now you're help everybody understand better when you talk about effort what do you mean by that? Because we don't want to look at just being about works. So there are different kinds. And what I mean by effort, especially when it comes to the things of God, I don't, like you said, Mr. Dean, I don't mean just being busy and like doing a bunch of things. Because even that there is the chance and the opportunity that the will of God is not accomplished. Mommy have told me many times, don't be busy. Just because I was doing work does not mean I was actually accomplishing anything. And so um, when we put forth the effort, we are giving our diligence. We're doing everything in our power to make sure that we're in agreement and in alignment with what God said. We're not trying to make it hard for him and get in his way. And we're not trying to make it hard for anybody else that's trying to do God's will either. We're giving him our full effort. We're giving him our yes and our okay and our um, cooperation. That's what I'm looking for. Cooperation with him. We're working with him, not against him. I like that word, cooperation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Absolutely. Coming into alignment with his plan and the purpose he has for each of us. Who else? I'll go. All right, promise. So the Lord wanted me to talk about verse 13 where it says, wait, back up, 12. 12 through 14. It says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live, to living according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you would die, but by the spirit you put to death, the deeds of the body, you live. And how some people, I know from personal experience, sometimes you go, oh, but sometimes it seems like you don't get something. Like, let's say if there's a cookie jar and I ask, excuse me, mommy and dad, can I have dessert? And mommy and dad said, no, there's always a reason for that. Either I've had too much sugar at that moment or it just entertains the wrong kind of behavior. Like going, if I did something wrong and if I asked for dessert, my dad said, oh yeah, like not like minor wrong, but serious wrong. Hmm. If mom and dad said, oh yeah, you can have dessert, that would be entertaining that behavior. Hmm. Okay. And... How it's the same here, and you can put how it's important to some people think, oh, putting, putting, being, 
doing the right thing isn't always fun and how some people think, oh man, I won't be able to do this or that. But when you look at it, there's always a consequence for doing that certain action. There are always, they're either good consequences or they're bad consequences to what we do, or negative consequences, or they're positive or negative, sure. And how in life, whenever you do something, if you, there's never a neutral consequence, I'll put it like that. Mm-hmm. There may be a delayed delivery, but, mm-hmm. Just like walking around now, people don't really think there's a consequence with walking around, but... When you walk, you get to a new location, so that's positive. Mm-hmm. Well, that depends on the location, yes? Yes. And what happens at that location. Yes. Because we can be sent to all kinds of territories, and but either we, through the, the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit, are going to change it and reconcile the people there back to Christ, or we are going to be changed. Um. It may not be towards Christ, right? So yes. there's there in there lies a choice as well. Are we going to change the world through Christ or let the world change us to look like the world? And what this chapter is helping explain so that we understand is how we live and move and operate in the Lord through the power of his Holy Spirit how we walk that out, what it was meant to look like. And I will say from the beginning. Does everyone understand what I mean by that? Yes. Yes. Okay. So can you explain it? Go ahead, Ross. You can go. I'm going to say I have to gather my thoughts. Okay. I'll, would you, I'll help would you, you phrase the question one more time? So, uh, is, do you understand what I meant by this moving and walking and operating in and through the power of the Holy Spirit? Was how the Lord meant for us to be, to live, to function from the beginning? Meaning that inside the garden, he didn't expect Adam and Eve to go through it and do what he told them without him. He was always there with them to help them, but he still gave Adam the responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's like you, if I live with you, you and mommy your whole lives and you're always telling me, Bubby, go put, take a shower, go put your clothes on. That's inappropriate for the age I'm supposed to and I'm going to achieve. I should be able to go out and be able to accomplish some things, but you're still my parents to help guide me in decisions. Like, if I have children, I'm not going to be able to know everything as soon as it happens. Mommy and Dad said, you're going to help me give the finer techniques on how to raise children. The same is true here. He, they had the responsibility they knew and knew how to act in the case and situation as it's needed. But God was still there to help them give additional information as they progressed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And... In the garden, Adam's role is what? To guard and to govern. Yes? Yes. Using the authority entrusted to him. 
but he was guided by the Lord himself. Yes? Yes. Who walked with them in the cool of the day. But let's also look, because the Old Testament, like I said, this is from the beginning. This is how it was meant to be, right? And you can see throughout, or let's see, I say, you can see the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. We'll just look at a, a few key parts, right? Moses clearly had the Spirit of God on him and in him, right? Yes. But it wasn't just for Moses. Now, of course, at that time, during the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit wasn't freely given, right? Yes. yes. And so Moses had the Holy Spirit, but clearly not everyone had the Holy Spirit. We do know that Joshua had the Holy Spirit, right? Because in Numbers yes. 27, 18, the Lord tells Moses to take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man with the Spirit in him, and lay your hands on him, right? Yes. yes. But let's look at Numbers eleven seventeen, right? The Lord commands Moses, or tells Moses, I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the Spirit that is on you, and I will put that Spirit on them, that is the 70 elders, right? And their job, their role was to help bear the burden of the people, so he didn't have to bear it by himself, right? Yes. Um, and there are a number of different, different things, right? Um, you can look at Samuel, Samuel 10. It was, it was prophesied to Saul, about to be King Saul, right? That the Spirit yes. of the Lord would says, rush upon you or come upon you and you will prophesy and you will be transformed into a different person, right? Yes. yes. And um, Isaiah 63 is uh, another interesting Interesting point, right? Because we go into, uh, as it relates to Romans 8, right? And what we had previously discussed in Romans 8. Bless you. Thank you. Well, 7 and 8. Paul is pointing everyone to Christ, right? Yes. And it's really the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Paul didn't generate this word on his own. This Not is the at Holy all. Spirit speaking through him. This is inspired word. It's the inspired word of God. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Exactly. And it's really uh, Isaiah 63, 7 through 14. Right? Um, actually, can I get a volunteer to read that? I will. But I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness towards the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies, according to the multitude of his loving kindness. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not lie. So he became their savior in all their affliction. He is afflicted and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them and bore them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy and he fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people saying, Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit within them? Who led them by the right hand of Moses? with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them, to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the 
through the deep as a horse in the wilderness, that they may not stumble. As a beast goes down into the valley, and the Spirit of the Lord comes, causes him to rest, so you led your people to make yourself a glorious name. Mm-hmm. So do we notice a few things there, right? In relation to what we have been discussing here in Romans. Everything is pointing to Christ. Christ is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit, right? Yes. Okay. But do we not see that? First, the covenant. Surely they are my people. What is the covenant of the Lord? I will be their God, and they will be my people. It's also his plan, his purpose, his covenant, his promise. At the core, that is what it is. And yes, depending on if he's speaking with Abraham or the Abrahamic covenant or the Davidic covenant, there are additional things, promises, blessings made and put into it. But that statement, I will be their God and they will be my people, is at the core of the covenant, both old and new. Every covenant made, that is the core. That is at the core. Um, It does not change. Mm -hmm. right, but we see here, right, in Isaiah 63, he's talking about he redeemed them, right? We just covered that here in John 8, who the Son sets free is free indeed, right? But he also goes even back to Moses, right, in verse 11. Remember days of old, Moses and his people, right? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit within them? He's talking about Christ. This is Isaiah. Uh, hundreds of years before Christ. Yes? Yes. Yes. So, and then, um, and also the Spirit of the Lord causes even the beast to rest. And then, in this is verse 14, so you lead your people to make yourself a glorious name. Right? And if you look at all of Isaiah 63, He's talking about how the people had fallen astray, right? And of course, they were scattered, the diaspora, but brought into slavery, captivity, all those other things. But the Lord was bringing them back. He was restoring them, right? But this is the same thing you see. That's Isaiah, right? Jeremiah talks about the same thing in Jeremiah 31, beginning in verse 31, right? The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant Um, with Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them into the land to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them. But this is the covenant I will make within the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, saying, Uh, teach every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. And then here's another thing that Paul brings out, right? I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Isn't that the beginning of chapter 8? Therefore there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Right? Yes. Yes. But of course, this entire time, right? What What is he talking about? Walking and living in the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Right? Yes. This entire time. I will put my Spirit on them, right? Yes. Okay. Um, 
you see it again. Uh, so, in a previous episode, we went over Galatians, right? We were, we were talking about sin being enmity against God, and and Paul highlights. He first starts with talking about life in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, right? Yes. And then talking about the flesh and being at war or at enmity against God and against the Spirit, right? And he, he goes into exacting detail. That's in Galatians 5. Did you know that Paul also read that in Scripture? And it's in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, right? Um, and it actually begins in verse 16. The same things that Isaiah is saying, right? That they are they were scattered, right? That, well, it says the my fury, the Lord's fury was was poured on them because of their actions. They profaned His holy name, right? But then, in um, in verse 20, 21, he says, "I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations where they went." And then twenty two, he says. Therefore say the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned. Right? And he continues, I'll sanctify my name. And what does he do? In verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And here's the key, verse 27. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave you or gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain to multiply, I will bring no famine upon you. I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields so that you never again bear the reproach of famine. Right? And then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight and for your iniquities and your abominations. Again, he's not doing it. It's not for your sake I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded in your ways. Right? But then he says this in verse 33. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you enable you, to dwell in the cities and the ruins shall be rebuilt. Desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate so that they will say, the land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the wasted desolate and the ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Right? Um, in verse 37, I will let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. I will increase their men like flock, like a flock offered as holy sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem on its feast days, so that the ruined cities shall be filled with flocks of men. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. You see this, the same promise, but the same thing that Paul is describing here stated again to every generation and those are just a few examples right yes yes but you see it again and it wasn't just paul that writes this john writes some uh, the apostle john right yes. writes something very similar about letting truth abide in you 
right? This is the promise, this is in John 2, all right, starting in verse 25. Uh, oh, sorry, 24. Let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who tried to deceive you. But you have, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, we are now, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when we when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Right? Amen. Is this not the same thing here that is being discussed in chapter 8? This is what it looks like. It is about being like Christ, being conformed to his image. Yes, I know we're made in his image, right? But it's also yes. being conformed to his likeness, being holy, being righteous, which we cannot attain in the flesh. As we've been discussing here in the, the previous episodes, it can only be attained in the spirit through faith and trust in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and the leading of his Holy Spirit, which he gave us freely to empower us to do the things that he has called us, predestined for us to do. Mm -hmm. it, when you were reading First um, John, it, it reminded me that the Holy Spirit is the one speaking through each of these people that have yielded themselves to the Lord because he keeps having the same message. And in, in this section of um, Romans chapter 8, he's bringing, this is the actual definition of a child of God. Because you remember we were talking about in John um, chapter, was it John chapter 8? Eight? 8. John chapter yes. 8. They were going, no, no, we're the descendants of Abraham. No, that means we're the children of God. And right, that was what they were known as without necessarily putting thought into the fact of, being a child of God is defined by his definition, God's definition mm -hmm. for what that means, not what humanity thinks the definition is. And he keeps going, no, no, this is what it is right here. To do the will of the Father, that's what it means to be a child of God. To have the spirit of Christ on the inside of you, that means you're a child of God. And in, in true God fashion, how he, you know, in, in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, he would say one thing 10 different ways just to make sure every way that your mind could work, you understood clearly what he was saying to you. So even in this, he keeps going, this is what it means to be a child of God. This, it this is what it means to be my son or daughter, not just that you were born after natural lineage. Because if you've combed through that, you'll find that there's so many people that could connect back to it. But God is saying, it's your heart that matters. It's your heart condition. It's your connection to me through the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us 
the son or the daughter of God. And, you know, that, that's, that's refreshing to me because I could never make myself a Jew. No matter how badly I wanted to, <laughs> I could be friends, I could do, but I can't change my genetic makeup. I can't change who my parents were. I can't change who their parents were. I, I can't change that. But I can believe God. And that gives me access in a way that I could never achieve it in the flesh. But God is also the grace that he applies in me to the believer going, hey, this is what I'm looking for. The heart that will be um, faithful towards me, the heart that will trust me, the heart that will believe what I have to say to, to them and keep in it. And I just wanted to bring this up in verse 12. It, it kind of made me laugh when I read it. It says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, uh-huh. to live according to the flesh. And we are, in fact, debtors. And it's amazing how we can think, well, this is my, this is how I grew up. So I owe it to my authenticity. I owe it to my heritage this to live this right. way. I owe it to such <laughs> and such to live this way or the other. But he was going, no, that natural stuff, you don't owe that natural anything which the debt, the debt that we owe is to Jesus Christ. Amen. We've been bought with a price, and the price is the blood of the precious and beloved Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, it makes it easy for us to go, okay, when we're holding options in our hands, when, when things are set before us to make a choice, who do I owe? You know, we can feel obligated to a lot of things, a lot of people, and a lot of perspectives, especially in worldview a worldly perspective if you have the skin color you owe it to act a certain way and if you don't oh you you're a sellout or you you know you let the people down if you will I'm making air quotes mm-hmm. but i owe it to jesus christ to represent him because he is the one who has died for me and it is his arms that i want to be welcomed into and you know whether it's cultural financial any kind of humanistic um, perspective. We owe nothing to that. Our debt is squarely and entirely to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he goes on in verse 13, it says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. It doesn't matter all the good causes. If it's fleshly, it still produces death. But if you, um, but if you buy, if by the spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body and you Mm. will live. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, when Jesus was in the garden and he was asking his disciples to bear with him and to pray with him, he said he kept coming back and finding them asleep. And he said, indeed, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So when we put to death those members, we take away that weakness from ourselves and engage in the the strength that is on the inside of our spirit, man. Absolutely. That's all I had to say. (laughs) Right now. Amen. That's that's great. There's, there's, I know we're a little over than where we want to be time-wise, um, but I really feel this is important to share. Um, or sense this is important to share, right? We ask all the time in this thing, how does this apply to our life? What does it look like, right? Yes. So if we are putting to death the deeds of the flesh and living according to the Spirit, the short answer it looks like Christ. In our day and age, we would call that revival. Mm. Yes? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been listening to um, some of the messages from a brother uh, who's gone to be with the Lord, George Stormont. 
But he had this one, he was discussing the Welsh Revival. And there were these four principles that were given to uh, uh, a person named Evan Roberts. And these were the four principles of the revival. And I'm, so I'm, I'm going to give them to you as, as our brother George Stormont discussed, right? The first thing was dealing with sin. And this was the question that Evan Roberts asked. Is there any sin in your past that you have not confessed to God? And then he would say, on your knees at once. Because our past, your past, must be put away and yourself cleansed. Have we not been discussing that here? Paul, throughout the entirety of Romans, is addressing sin in our lives. It separates us from the Lord. We have to deal with that. The second thing was, is there anything in your life that is doubtful or that you can't decide if it's good or evil? Away with it. Put it away. Get rid of it. It's either bringing you closer to Christ or it's not. And along with this, with number two, was forgiveness. Have you forgiven everybody? Everybody. If not, then we shouldn't expect forgiveness for our own sins because we won't get it. Mm -hmm. But it's the power of grace that forgives me and enables me to forgive past hurts. And forgive others. And then three was to do what the Spirit prompts you to do. Obedience, prompt, implicit, unquestioning obedience to the Holy Spirit. Right? That's, that's yes. the life of the Spirit. Right? The, the Spirit takes directly from God and discloses those things to us. And then the fourth was a public confession of Christ as our Savior, right? Yes. And it was about having an actual experience of the grace of God. And honey, you brought this up the other day of the possibility of someone living on a name or having a, a thought in their mind that they had experienced God, but never having an actual experience of the grace of God. And if you haven't, then don't let it slip past you. Let today, let this moment be the time where you actually have an experience with God, actually make Him Lord and Savior, not just in your mind, but evidence throughout your life, right? And what what Paul is getting at here and what life in the Spirit is like and revival, right? These were the four key points of the Welsh revival, and especially as it pertains to sin. When it comes to sin in your life, Face up to it. Actually face up to it. Don't just talk about dealing with sin in our life, but actually do it. Actually deal with it. And and I would encourage you to face up to it because there could come, and it is, time for revival. Mm-hmm. It's time to live like Christ did. Live a life led, guided, directed, by his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's pause there. And with that, can I get someone to close this out in prayer, please? I will. All right, Charles. Lord, I just thank you 
for everything that you've done in our lives, Lord. Lord, also just thank you for giving us examples to go before us, Lord, so that way we can continue to learn more and not have to go through the same mistakes, Lord, but that way we can draw from their knowledge, Lord, and their mistakes and use it to build us up, Lord. Lord, also just thank you for unending forgiveness and grace to us, Lord, even if we purposely sin against you, Lord, that you always allow us to come back and repent to you, Lord, and to enter back into your arms, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.